0: Well, hey, welcome to Chi Alpha. It's good to see you. If uh, you don't know me yet or you forgot my name, my name is Brandon and I'm one of the directors here at this ministry and I really just love this group. I just wanted to start by saying that. I really love you guys. It's been so awesome to like see this community start and oh man, this is just like a really, uh, I just cherish you guys a lot and I'm so proud of you too. Like I've seen Jesus, do so much through this group already. And like Ethan was saying, like we literally added a third SBO trip because so many of you signed up to go. So many of you said, I want to obey the Great Commission as best I can for my spring break, and I'm going to go on SBO. And so that just warms my heart. I'm so proud of you. And it's going to be awesome to see Montana State students get impacted with the gospel because of your faithfulness. Now, speaking of love, did you guys know that I am married to the best woman in the world. Okay, so everybody always posts the best photo of them, so I posted the best and the worst. Everybody wants to do the best. I'm like, this is the one that I wanted to show. That's the one that Meredith wanted to show. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, if you didn't know, we also work alongside each other as co-directors, uh, and it's just awesome working alongside with my wife. Um, she compliments me so much; I compliment her so much, uh, and we just love being co-directors with uh, with this ministry. Uh, this photo is actually taken uh, during on Thanksgiving Day, I believe. We were in Vancouver, Washington, and um, funny story. After this, I was like playing Pokemon duh, because I'm in like Vancouver. And I'm, like, playing Pokemon Go, and Meredith's kind of, like, walking behind me, talking to their sister, and, like, multiple times, I start, like, walking to, like, sketchy part of Vancouver, and she's, like, hey, bro, bro, Brandon, stop, D- don't go that way, You turn around, let's go this way. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of, like, co-directing <laughs> with her, uh, I'm really quick to, like, oh, we should do this, this would be really cool, and she's, like, maybe we should go that way, like, maybe that would be a better decision, and I'm, like, yeah, that's a better call, <laughs> 100%, so... Anyways, I just love her so much. She's awesome. She's so full of wisdom, has awesome insights into the direction of where this ministry is going, and it's just awesome working alongside her, and I'm really proud of her and thankful for her. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Transitioning, have you guys been enjoying our series this quarter on Anchored? You can nod. Yeah, it's been super good, right? We've been talking about how we want to anchor our lives in the things that God says are most valuable. And we want to survive any storm that life could possibly throw at us, right? That's been our mission this quarter. Cool opportunity at the end of the message tonight, and as we go into worship, we're going to have an opportunity to share on the mic. Uh, You guys are going to have an opportunity to come up and share how you've been learning about anchoring your lives and things that God sees as most valuable. And so we're going to get to share with one another. So I encourage you to be thinking about hey, what's something that God's been teaching me this quarter and something that I might want to share with the group tonight? Now, speaking of thinking, Our final message on the quarter is going to be about being anchored in our thoughts. Uh, But before we get into that, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much and you care about how we think, uh, not only how we act, but also how we think and what little thoughts be swimming around. And you want us to be obedient to you. And God, I pray that you just use me tonight for your glory. Speak through me. Uh, Tonight's all about you. We're so hungry for you. We want to learn more about you and what you say in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to, uh, why? I'd like to welcome up my Bible pastors tonight. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. You're going to want to have one tonight. We're going to be going through a good amount of scripture. If you don't have a Bible at all, you know the drill. Uh, please keep it. We don't want it back. We want you to have God's word. So please, if you don't have a Bible, keep it. It is our gift to you. So how many of us have thoughts Yeah, we'd be thinking, right? No, we'd be thinking, right? So I'm a seven on the Enneagram, if you're familiar at all. And one of the things that is common for a seven is to have what's called monkey brain, which they label it. I didn't label it that. But it's pretty much like I have like mega thoughts, like rapid all the time. Like I'm always thinking about stuff. Uh, And so much so that it can be kind of draining. I don't know about you guys, uh, but I'm always thinking all the time. I've got thoughts always swirling around. You guys know that our thoughts uh, have a lot of influence over how we live our lives, not only in our day-to-day, but also in big-picture ways as well. Did you know that your thoughts are sometimes the starting point for big decisions you make in your life, whether good or bad? Some of the best inventions in the world have come from a thought. Uh, Lifelong partnerships in marriage can come from a thought. Maybe I could ask her, maybe I could ask him out on a date. But in the same way, uh, to the opposite effect, some of the worst decisions or toughest moments in our life can come from thoughts as well. Hey, this sin isn't really that bad. What's another time doing it going to really do? Is it really going to harm you that much? It's probably not that big of a deal. Hey, if you fail this test, you, yourself, you are a failure. You see how cool, you see how attractive, you see how successful that person is? Yeah, yeah, you got nothing on them. All right, so these are some of the thoughts that cross. Our heads each and every day. Our thoughts can have tons of impact over how we live our lives, how we view ourselves, how we view other people, what decisions we make. A really cool thing in our culture that's happening right now is a big push on mental health awareness, which I think is so awesome. And I can speak as somebody who's gone through a lot of anxiety and gone through a lot of counseling about that. Uh, I can give you a pro tip for all the hours and lots of money that I spent for that counseling. Uh, I could pretty much boil it down to one sentence, change the way you think. Change the way you think. We know how crucial this is to our lives. You're going to learn that how you think is so crucial to your life. You are learning it. And the Bible has been speaking about our thought life for many, many years, and so we want to journey into it tonight to see what the Lord would have to say about it. So the first scripture we have tonight is in Exodus chapter 20. It's actually one of the commandments. It's right up behind me, and I'm just going to read it. This is what the Lord says. He says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, this is a really interesting command because all the other commands before this are all talking about how you speak and how you act. And then the Lord hammers down, don't think incorrect. Think correctly. Don't want other things that you don't have. Don't th- All that's happening in your head. Don't think that way. I want you to think how I want you to think. God knows that the ways that we think impact our heart and ultimately impacts our life and our character. Shout out to Cottage Corps. Uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount all fall quarter and Jesus has some pretty impactful things that he says about our thought life as well in Matthew five twenty-one through 22 and then also 27 through 28 Jesus says this he says you have heard that it was said to the people long ago you shall not murder or anyone who murders will be subject to judgment but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be ju- uh, subject to judgment Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in the danger of the fire of hell. Wow. He then says in 27, you've also heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman or man lustfully has already committed adultery with her or him in her or his heart. So Jesus says this really heavy statement, right? Says we can murder with our thoughts, We're really that angry at somebody in our thoughts? That's as as deep as murder. He says that we can commit adultery with the way that we think about somebody if they're not our spouse. Wow. God really cares about how we think. He knows that it impacts our character and it impacts our life. He cares about how we think. So these are some of the incorrect ways that we can be thinking, but there's also really healthy ways that we can be thinking. How many of us really want peace in our life, contentment, in our life, I would say that peace is like the opposite of anxiety. It's like what my heart's desire is. Well, Scripture says, hey, if you want peace, set your mind on things above. Think about things above. Think about God's truths. Think about those things. Meditate on those things. If we're looking for wisdom in our life, we want to act in every situation for the glory of God, Scripture says "Well, meditate on Scripture. Meditate on the word of God. Don't just read it and then forget it. Actually think about God's word all day as as best you can. Think about the word of God. Don't just read it and then move on. Think about it. Let this swim around. So, like we were saying, our thoughts can harm us or they can help us. And guys, we get to choose what we're going to listen to and which we're going to deny. What thoughts we're going to listen to and live our lives on and what thoughts we're going to deny and say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to live that way. And with God's help, we can change the way we think as well. So what does God want us to do with our thoughts? Our main text tonight is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, if you want to follow along with me. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he says this, verses 3 through 5, chapter 10. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So as disciples of Jesus, we are told that we need to have an active thought life and taking our thoughts captive. We need to be very aware of what we're thinking on a day-to-day basis. We need to be very aware of the thoughts that are swimming around, and they're guiding our lives and our actions. Can I ask tonight, do you want to be anchored in the way that you think? Do you want to think correctly, or do you want to be blown and tossed by the winds of your thoughts? Do you want to be anchored in them or not? Did you guys know that according to the most recent research, we have around 6,000 thoughts a day? Wow. 6,000 thoughts a day. That's crazy. That is so many thoughts. And we're seeing from Scripture as disciples of Jesus, it's crucial that we anchor those thoughts correctly. So we really should be asking, where do our thoughts come from, right? If we're wanting to take our thoughts captive, where do we get our thoughts? Well, Scripture says that there are three sources from where we get our thoughts. The first is from us and our culture, excuse me, the second is from the devil, and then the third source is from God. So first source is us and our culture, second is the devil, and then the third is God. So we're going to talk about all these in depth tonight. So the first one is us. Our main, one of our main sources of our thoughts come from us and also from our culture. So how many of us know that our culture has an impact and an influence over us? You can nod for that 100%. This means that our culture affects how we think as well, right? Have you guys noticed that as Americans, we tend to find our value in a lot of our successes, our materialists, our materials, our, our money, our, our success, our jobs, we're so drawn to that and we think that's like our value in life. Like that's what makes me a successful person. Have you guys ever been tempted to compare yourself to another person? Right? Well, do you think that that thought came from you or do you think that you were influenced by your culture to see the value in your successes and therefore judge yourself off of other people? Where do you think that really came from? Is that really a genuine thought that came from you or is that from your culture? If I can be honest, I think social media is, like, the worst (laughs) for this. Like, social media is this, like, comparison zoo. Like, you're just comparing yourself all the time. And it's like, okay, how do I, like, match up to that person's life? Or how do, like, I'm going to post, like, the best thing to, like, make me look good. It's just, like, it's not good. (laughs) Do you guys think that maybe you've been influenced by social media before? That's a part of our culture. Another way uh, that our culture influences us is from our family culture. Our family culture influences us. How many of us know that our family is not perfect? Family's not perfect. You'll get married and you'll find out really fast. Your family is not perfect. Neither is your spouse's family. In uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, God says something pretty uh, pretty cool and intense here. I'm just going to read it. So Exodus 34, 6 through 7. God is speaking to Moses, and he passed. So, verse 6 says, And he, being the Lord, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So, heavy verse. What is God talking about? He's talking about his judgment. And he says that the sin of family culture and family actions, they can trickle for generations until someone, hopefully us, acts to change that culture and make that obedient to Jesus. Does that make sense? If we, our family has sin, because all humans do, if we continue in that, that's not good. God wants us to take those thoughts captive that culture captive, and make it obedient to him. We're responsible to say no to our family culture that is sinful and change how we think and how we act. Does that make sense? So for me, uh, I grew up in a really male-dominant culture, honestly, in my house. Uh, It was really common for the guys to kind of dominate the conversation a lot, the guy's opinions felt like it was more important, uh, whatever the guys wanted to do would happen if the the ladies didn 't well, I grew up with my mom, but if my mom didn 't want to do it, it didn 't really happen. the guys were going to do it anyways. Well, bring Meredith into that <laughs> she 's like, whoa bro this, this ain't cool, like I feel like I can 't even talk like I feel like suffocated in these conversations. Do you notice like i can 't really talk in this, and i 'm like, oh my gosh, you're totally right and so I had grown up, and without it even being said, it was communicated to me that a man's opinion is more important than a woman's. Well, I have to challenge that. Is that how God thinks? No, heck no. Is that how I'm going to think? No, no way, not at all. That's not how my family is going to think either. Like, I'm going to take that culture? Heck no. That's not biblical. Like, I don't want that. Like, I'm going to take that captive. We're not going to think that way. We're not going to act that way in my family. So what are the thoughts That invade your head from your culture and from your family? How are you influenced by your family culture? How are you influenced to think from your American culture, your college culture? Can I ask are these thoughts fully obedient to Jesus? Are they helping you or are they really harming you? Are there ways that your family treats or talks about people that isn't biblical? Does your family culture have values that aren't God's values that we need to recognize? We have to be aware of these thoughts so that we can obey 2 Corinthians and we can take these thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus. So that is our first source. It's really our thoughts from us that are influenced by our culture as well. The second source of thoughts come from the devil. So who here has ever heard of spiritual warfare? Yep. Part of being a Christian, part of being a disciple of Jesus is recognizing that you are in a spiritual war. That is the truth. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 13. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, God eats pop, Philippians, Colossians, God eats popcorn. That's always how I remember God eats popcorn. Right side of your Bible, New Testament will be in the book of Ephesians here. Chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Verse 10 starts with this. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, excuse me, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Did you guys know that the devil has schemes against you? Did you know that him and his demons want to steer you away from trusting God? That's what they want to do. Well, how does he do that? Well, he plants thoughts in your head that are from him. I would argue that the main the mind is the primary battleground for spiritual warfare. I would say that all up here is where the battle is happening. So, what do I mean by that? Well, flip with me back to Genesis. I said you're gonna need your Bible. Come to Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 8. We're going to read about Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, first book of the Bible, verses 2 through 8. We're going to read about the first murder in history. That'll be fun. Okay, starting in verse 2. But if you, do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So this is the first recorded murder in history. Uh, does Cain accidentally slip and hit his brother over the head in the, in the field? No, this is a thought out, planned murder. God is literally speaking to Cain, and he says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You have to rule over it. Where do you think this battle is happening for Cain? It's happening in his mind. He's plotting out the murder of his brother. (laughs) He's thinking about a location. Where can I best do this? Where can I get away with it? Maybe the field. I could murder Abel there. This is thought out. What else do we learn? We see that this idea comes from the devil. This idea does not come from Cain. God is speaking to him, and he says, sin is crouching at your door. He doesn't say, Cain, you're crouching at your door. He says, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to rule you. This was a seed. This was a thought. This was planted by the devil, and it wasn't dealt with by Cain. It wasn't taken captive. It laid roots. It grew up. It sprung to action, and he killed his brother. And do you notice how God in this story, he like jumps in. Like he jumps into the war. He's like, hey, you should not be thinking this. Do the right thing and you will be blessed. Like don't be thinking this way. Like you have to rule over this thought. What does Cain do? He doesn't rule over it. He gives into it and he kills his brother. And I would say that God does the same thing for us too. God jumps in when we're not thinking correctly. When the enemy plants a thought, he plants a seed that's of him. It's not of the Lord. God speaks up. God wants to defend us. He wants to help us. A year ago, around a year ago, uh, like I was saying, I was meeting with a professional Christian counselor about a lot of my struggles with anxiety. Uh, It had gotten so bad that Meredith and I were like, you need to like really get some professional help. Like this is really hard. It's like really affecting your day-to-day. So we agreed to do that. And one of the sessions, I was talking to my counselor about how I'd been thinking about my value tied into like my success of life and like how God views me based on that. So if I fail, God sees me as a failure. And like if I, like God doesn't love me unless I succeed. And after I'd shared that, he paused, looked me in the eye, and he said, Brandon, why are you letting the devil lie to you? You don't have to listen to him. This isn't true at all. The Bible says right here that your value comes from being a child of God. Why are you looking for value anywhere else? And it was like this truth grenade just exploded in my mind. Like the Holy Spirit just woke me up like, oh my gosh, I don't have to listen to the devil. (laughs) This isn't true at all. I can live in a totally different way. I can think a totally different way. Can I ask you guys, how aware are you of the devil's thoughts he places in your head? Can you easily identify a thought when it's planted, a seed that's planted? Are there any seeds that have taken root? Or are you quick to say, no, this is not of me. This is not of the Lord. This is from the evil one. Jesus wants to free you from all thoughts that would come from the enemy. Any thoughts that have taken root? In your heart, and your mind, the Lord wants to free you from those. We just get to partner with the Holy Spirit in that. So we talked about our first source. It's us and our culture's influence over us. We've talked now about the devil and his, um, his thoughts as well that he'll place. Uh, the third source is really the best source, and it's God himself. The best source of our thoughts are the thoughts that come directly from the Lord. not Thoughts that came from you. Not a thought that came from the devil. This is straight up a thought planted from the Lord himself. So where do you think these thoughts come from? Like, whoa, God just puts a thought in my head. Like, where does this come from? Well, Holy Spirit 101, you guys have probably learned a little bit about God's presence with us. Uh, The greatest gift of God, man, one of the best gifts, I should say, is his continual presence with us. The Holy Spirit always with us. In uh, John 14... Uh, 15 through 17, we see this scripture. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this. He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I love that part at the end. He will be with you and in you. The spirit lives in you whoa. I'd argue he lives up here for sure. One of my favorite teachings I've ever heard on the Holy Spirit was talking about his role as our advocate. Uh, and this word is sometimes a little foreign to us, uh, but the word advocate here is, is a legal term, meaning somebody who would fight for you in a court of law. So if we think about Jesus as our advocate, Jesus as, as our advocate is standing before the Father in the courtroom of God and saying, Father, it makes literally no sense that they would pay the price for what I already did. Like, that, that's just not just at all. Like, I paid their jail sentence. Like, look, Lord, I did that for them. This doesn't make any sense. So how's the Holy Spirit our advocate? Well, the Holy Spirit as our advocate means that he'll stand up to us if we're not thinking correctly. The way that the Holy Spirit defends us is by challenging us when we're not thinking in a way that's biblical at all. He will literally challenge you <laughs> like because he loves you so much he will challenge you like how many of us know that our best friends in the world the people who love us the most they say the things that are the hardest yeah the holy spirit he will do that brandon do you really think that's the best decision tonight brandon why are you judging my son and daughter made in my image brandon i love you i'm for you i'm not against you draw closer to me don't draw away What are some of the things he says to you? For your sake, for my sake, the Holy Spirit will challenge and press our thinking that is not from him and is hurting us. And on top of that, he will be the one to help us change how we think. And that's how I want to begin concluding our message tonight. The thought of taking uh, 6,000 thoughts a day Uh, captive sounds a little little exhausting, right? If I'm thinking about every thought and I'm like organizing it, that's 12,000 thoughts because I'm thinking about every thought. (laughs) And I'm I'm probably not gonna be able to focus in class thinking all the time. It's not gonna probably work, right? You need to be able to focus on other things too. What we do need to do is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to change those thousands of thoughts repeatedly every day that aren't biblical, they're not helpful, and we need to allow him to make those obedient to Jesus. We need to allow all those thoughts that are recurring, recurring, recurring that aren't biblical, we need to give those to the Lord and help him change how we think. We get to partner with the Holy Spirit in how we anchor our thoughts. It's a partnership. It's not a solo game. Ephesians chapter 4 is probably like my second or third favorite passage in all scripture. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 should be up behind me, too, if you don't feel like turning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, Paul writes this. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You guys see the partnership that we play with the Holy Spirit in this passage. Verse 22 says, human, put off your old way of thinking. Human, deny your sinful desires. Don't do it. Don't think that way. You don't have to sit in that. Don't think about that. Then verse 23 says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you change the attitude of your mind? Do you make yourself a new self? Do you make yourself created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness? No, you cannot do that. That's the Holy Spirit's role. As we partner with the Spirit, as we take our thoughts captive, as we walk in obedience, the Holy Spirit is going to transform how you think and how you act. He's going to totally start to change your character as he presses you and encourages you to think differently. And this is truly a lifelong journey. Like It's not going to be fixed right at winter break when we go into it. Like this is a lifelong journey that we get to do with the Lord as we take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to him. Uh, Worship team, you guys can totally come up now as we officially come to a close. As we know, winter break is coming around the corner and guys, truly, there's no better time to be taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Jesus than as winter break approaches. Uh, Winter break is really known for being a a challenging time for a lot of us. Uh, We're not seeing each other every single Tuesday. Uh, We're not having core as much or or ever in December. We're not meeting, and one-on-ones is often, and it's really easy to slip back in our old ways, our old habits, old sin as well. Right? We talked about our family culture. We're going back to our families. This will be a challenging time, I promise you. But I'd rather you know that so that we can be prepared for what's ahead and how we can partner with the Lord. So I want to ask you, how aware are you of these three sources of your thoughts? Are you actively aware of the thoughts that are entering your mind each day? No matter where you are, whether you've been grown in this for, for a long time or you're just learning tonight, I want to encourage you to write down a lot of thoughts you have throughout the day. Like what are some of your recurring thoughts that you have every single day? Just write them down. Just look at them. Like, this is what's swimming around in my head all day, a lot of the time. Where's this thought coming from? Is this thought from me? Is this from my family? Is this thought from the Lord? Is this thought from the devil? It's so nice to just, like, look at it and take it captive on that piece of paper. And I want to encourage you, like, when you see something that's not biblical, it's not of God's truth, it's not of God's word, uh, write scripture next to it and say, every time that thought pops up, I'm going to counter that with scripture. I'm going to counter that with the word of God. My thing was Ephesians 2.10. I'd say that all the time. I'm God's handiwork. I'm made in the image of God. Like my value isn't in how good I speak on Tuesday. My value isn't how good a core goes. My value isn't in my job, how much I make. Like my value is being God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. And I'd say that 50 times a day until it really sat in. I want to encourage you too. like, as we write these down, as we um, engage in taking our thoughts captive, like, don't do this alone. Um, when you're writing them down and you're growing in your, your thought life and you're learning, talk to your facilitator about it. Talk to a spiritual mentor. Talk to somebody you trust. Say, I need you to pray with me. I keep thinking this. And this, this is probably not true, right? Can we, like, look in the Bible and see if this is not true? Like, don't go through this alone. Like, God's disciples, we don't, we don't go through our burdens alone. We do things together. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, And as we close, we've got some application questions, I believe, up behind me. You can take a photo or write them down, whatever you want to do. I think I asked them throughout the message. But the first one I want to ask as we reflect and take this message tonight is, how is your culture influencing your thoughts about yourself and about other people? How is your culture influencing your thoughts about yourself and other people? The second question is, how aware are you of the devil's schemes? And how can you begin to fight back? And then our third and final question of the quarter is how can you begin to partner with the Holy Spirit in taking your thoughts captive? And worship him, I'll pass it off to you.